so wonderful to see you guys. Uh, we're praying for Robertson and uh, Cornwall this morning. And so if you'd like to receive prayer, uh, if you could guide them. I can only pray for five people up front and then others from a distance at a later time. Okay, so we're continuing on in our reading on John chapter 14. And we left off yesterday with a very intimate and personal uh, picture and scene of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Uh, just like that, just like that in the pages of the records of the Gospels. What seemingly felt like just started Jesus' uh, you know, baptism, Holy Spirit, calling of the disciples, a handful of miracles... And just like that, it's already the season where he's going to go into betrayal and then within 24 hours is going to be crucified. <clears throat> and so, you know, I was sharing with you guys yesterday how for me that was like, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just felt so sudden. You know, I, I've read and taught from that passage so many times. But just a reminder for us that our life is not as long as we think it is, that there are really just a handful of key decisions and moments and we really need to dedicate that to the Lord. We really need to dedicate that for God. We have to have an eternal perspective. We can't be so short-sighted that all our happiness, joy, and future is so dependent on, on the success or the comforts of this world. That, that is a really poor, short-sighted vision for any believer. Eternally, for the kingdom of God and for God's glory. And then forever, there's going to be reward and blessing. Amen? Okay, so we go on to John chapter 14, uh, uh, verse 24, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that there, where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know me, know him, and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. There's so much like good meat here. You know, uh, um, you ever have a good T-bone steak? You know, there's a lot of good meat in a lot of different sections. And even on the, anyways, there's a lot of stuff here we can get into. We're not going to be able to get into all of it. Uh, but let me start off by saying this. Um, some translations, and some of you guys may have heard that in my father's house are many mansions. Have you guys heard that before? None of you have heard that? It's like a handful of you? Yeah. And so the idea is, oh, we suffer in this world, 
And then, oh, but don't worry, when I get to heaven, God's going to bless me with a mansion. Uh, that's, that's worldly thinking, right? That's, that's the value systems of the world that we are looking through that lens, reading the scriptures, and then trying to permeate it towards heaven. The idea of wealth and, and abundance and, and our, our understanding of reward, you know, uh, square footage, it doesn't, doesn't you know, compute. Um, the actual translation is in my, in my father's house are many dwelling places. God has, is preparing a place, a place where no matter what dwelling, no matter how big, even if you got two mansions in heaven, it doesn't matter, right? Unless God's presence is there. So heaven is all about God's presence and intimacy and being close with God. Uh, the material things, just to give you a glimpse, you know, uh, the revelations, it says like streets paved with gold, pearls on the, on the, the outer gates and peripheral. Like the things we value most, the things that bring us value and, and the things that we will kill, steal, and like cutthroat for, there's like nothing. Stuff you, you walk your, your feet on in heaven. So you got to get away from that mindset. I think that's one of the misconceptions or perceptions. You know, the idea that, oh, in heaven there's going to be like some monetary reward. Material reward. It's certainly, uh, those things may be there, but trust me, if that's what you want in heaven, uh, I, I think we're, we are missing the point. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so it's not about the material things that are in heaven. It's just that who is in heaven who, and who we're going to be, you know, so indwelling and intimate with him. That's, that's God. Uh, and then secondly, it goes on to say uh, that, that Jesus is preparing a place for you. And there's this song that I used to listen to, uh, Keith Green. Have you guys heard of Keith Green? If you ever get a chance, listen to him. Uh, he was like, like rocking it, like really hip in like the 1960s, I think, or 70s, uh, or maybe even early 80s. Uh, just an incredible testimony uh, of how he came to faith, uh, became a musician, a songwriter, and uh, just, just touring, you know, I, I believe the whole United States, even the world, uh, uh, playing uh, worship songs. And, and unfortunately, he died in an in a airplane crash. Um, but, uh, he, you know, I, was, I have one of his CDs and one of his tracks, and one of his songs, like crazy intros. Like he has this Potable Sun song. Oh, it's incredible. If you ever get the chance, it's a little folky, a little bit like outdated. But I mean, if you can get into just the heart, it's, it's an incredible song. Uh, um, you know, Prodigal Son, Keith Green. Anyways, in one of his concerts, and, and, I, and it's on the track, he says, he, he reminds us this, that if God took seven days to create, or six days to create this world, the, the world we live in, and we can look at the beauty in various places of creation and you know, the, uh, uh, even the ability of humanity to build certain things, you know, like some of my na the national parks, I love to go. I'm already planning to go, you know, this summer I'm going to, you know, have my uh, 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 sabbatical, spend some time in the U.S. And I've already got the top three things I want to do is visit national parks. And so just the beauty of God's creation. And this is what Keith Green says. If God took six days to create the earth and he's been working on heaven for thousands of years, like earth is a garbage can. Like earth is like nothing in comparison to what God is preparing for us in heaven. Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for us. And it took six days to create the beauty of this world. Imagine, I mean, I don't even think it's, it's, it's you can't even imagine the glory and the beauty of what God must be creating, you know, infinitely and far more. And, and so that's what God is doing. That's what Jesus is doing. He's preparing a place for us to come. And it's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. You have to have, I, I, just, I just don't think, a true son or daughter, a believer, can really walk or flow in the abundance of God's presence 
really listen, listen, unless you have an eternal perspective, unless you have an eternal perspective, unless all your decisions and all your plans and all your hopes, unless it's couched in the context of eternity and an eternal perspective and God's glory, any decision you and I make is going to be short, it's going to be limited, it's going to be really limited perspective. You know, in any type of valuation or investment that you're looking into, right? Mostly we're thinking like, will we get any return in this year or, or five years or 10 years? You know, sometimes we look to like 10 years, 15 years. Certainly we're, you know, we're investing in the future of, of children or next generation. But I think beyond like maybe 50 years or 100 years, you're not able to think beyond that capacity. Our, our line of sight is so limited. And so I think most people struggle because we've put all our eggs, all our hopes of our worth and sense of value on the outcome of before our death. Certain things we want to accomplish or goals or standards we want to achieve, you know, when we consider, you know, our our community or or, or the standards of those around us. But God asks us to elevate. Jesus asks us to think of the place that I am going, that I'm going to already be there and preparing a place for you. And so he moves the line. He moves the end game. And you have to have that perspective. I just, I, I figured it out, you know, at, at the age of 21, 22, and, and every once in a while I still struggle with it when it comes to family and, and children and future. But really, you know, you, we have to maintain, we have to commit ourselves to an eternal long-term perspective. And if we have that, then even some of the biggest triumphs that you had or are aiming for, you know, it's not going to move you so much. You know, it's going to be like, thank you, God. You know, this is for your glory. You know, how can I use it to serve you? It's not going to be that defining factor. It's not that we're not going to have that void. At the same time, when things don't turn out the way we want, when things fall apart and, and, or we fail in a project or something, in, in light of eternal perspective, in light of God's ultimate glory and, and ultimate end, you know, also it kind of uh, takes a little bit of the sting out. And, and so we recognize that no matter in this life, the eternal perspective, God has gone before us, God is preparing a place for us, and Jesus is waiting for us there. I remember uh, a couple, really close couple friends that I had made when I was in my uh, first few years of, as a missionary. I had left the United States in 2003, I think I was 28, 29, and I lived on the border of North Korea and China, working at a university, uh, uh, ministering to college students, uh, Chinese and Korean Chinese, but born in China, and then trying to do ministry in North Korea. And so anyways, there's this one German couple, they had uh, seven kids, and um, the husband was telling me, you know, I had many meals over in their house, they were, they were missionaries also, and the husband was telling me at this account, when he had gotten married to his wife before they had children, and they got married, and, and you know, madly in love, uh, but because of some, some curriculum or, or, or degree he had to finish, he still had like six more months or something. And so circumstances dictated that the wife still, they got married, the wife still had to be in Germany, but the husband was in um, France somewhere in the southern coast, near the coastal areas. And, and he said they had arranged for them to meet. And so he was talking about how he was just preparing, you know, the place he was staying, just getting it cleaned up, getting flowers, you know, everything, thinking towards, you know, how to make it conducive, to make it really nice and pleasant for when the wife came. And just, just like he was just, he, you know, had missed her for so long and couldn't wait for her to come and preparing. And, and finally they were, you know, tracking and talking. And so he got on a train, uh, or she got on a train from, from Frankfurt or Germany, was going down and, and he just, he couldn't anticipate. He, 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 
He was so in anticipation, couldn't wait. And so he actually left France and, and, and met her halfway. And to meet her halfway and then brought her together to the place. And so I just think it's such a beautiful picture, twofold. One, I think God has that, Jesus has that type of passion and love for us. Man, he's been preparing this place. He loves it. He can't wait for you to come. He knows that when you come, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it was totally worth the wait. Man, those times where I struggled about giving certain things up, you know, things of the world, and I, and I, and I, and I kind of went teetered back and forth. But man, I'm so glad I let those things go. This is incredible. You know, I think in one sense, God wants us to know that he is preparing a place for his sons and daughters. And then secondly, I think he wants us to know that he loves us so much that he couldn't just wait in heaven. God couldn't just prepare and wait in heaven. Jesus came down and he met us halfway and he walked us through and he showed us the inroads and the maps and the signs and the guides and, and gave us encouragement and gave us power so that we would have security and assurance in making that way home. And so not only did, did God and Jesus prepare a home for us, but Jesus also came halfway, uh, uh, lived a lifetime in our shoes and showed us the way. And that's just the heart of the Father. It's the heart of the Father. And I think we need that kind of reminding, especially in this season, especially in this time, especially in the last couple years. You know, we need a hope that is far beyond anything this world can promise. You know, your, your greatest endeavors, your, your biggest projects, you know, your greatest hopes for family and all those things. There's something even infinitely greater. And so with that assurance and with that knowledge locked into our hearts and the confidence of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit that lives in us, we can then with our heads up look towards and serve God in any capacity and avenue, in every plot, in any lot of life that he's given us. And especially in the seasons high, but especially in the seasons low, that we would be reminded of this. And so Jesus says, if I go, I prepare a place for you. In verse 3, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Remember, the whole of the Bible, the whole of the text is a love letter. When you, when you boil it down, when you translate it, you know, get down to the bottom, it's simply a love letter of God conveying his love to his children that he lost, that he wants them back. He wants them wants his children back and he'll go to any length and he sent his son to die on the cross so that we can ultimately come back home. Amen. Amen. What an incredible God we have. What an incredible God we worship. Uh, it goes on to say in verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these will, will he will do because I go to the father. You guys remember I mentioned that to you? How Jesus, I believe, at no point on earth was he never God. So I don't want to confuse you with that. He's fully God and fully human. There was no point when Jesus was living on earth that he was not God. He was always God. But he completely relinquished and let go of his powers, his authority. And so I believe all the things that Jesus did, he did by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know it sounds a little bit confusing, uh, but in human form. And that's why he always prayed to God. That's how he always looked to God. The scriptures even tells us he was filled with the Holy Spirit because he had the same format and structure that we had. And he was operating the same parameters. And so therefore, that's why I believe this verse is the key. That's why Jesus says, you can do what I did and even greater works. How is that possible? Because everything he did, he did by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, even though he was God, though he had relinquished these things. Does that make sense? Right? 
Uh, uh, and so I think what Jesus is saying is there's, there's, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Right? I, I've seen people get healed uh, uh, you know, of, of diseases. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I know people firsthand, normal people that I love, that I would entrust my children to, who have seen people raised from the dead. We have seen people you know, uh, prophetically pray for all these things. Anything is possible. Why doesn't it happen all the time? I can't answer that question. But that shouldn't stop us from praying and contending. We always pray and contend. And then at the end, if it doesn't work out, we trust ultimately that God has the ultimate plan. And healing is always the ultimate healing. Because even Lazarus and anyone who is resurrected in the, in the scriptures eventually passed. And now the ultimate healing is with God in heaven. And so all we can really ask for is just more time or borrow time so that we can do the works of God. But the ultimate reward in life is not living forever here on earth. Right? It's eternity with God. And so we have to make that distinction. Um, but I do believe that God wants us to pray in such a way that anything is possible and to continue to contend. I want to close with this this morning. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. The key to this verse the key to this verse, I'll, I'll make it very plain and very simple. The key to this verse is that you have fully given your heart to God. This verse doesn't unlock for you, doesn't level up for you, unless you've fully given your heart to God. Does that make sense? Right? If there's any inhibitions, there's partial obedience, there's 80%, 90%, uh, doesn't work. Okay? I mean, we may pray the things that is God's will and then it works. Um, but there are certain things we pray that we may think that is God's will, may not be, and it, it doesn't work. The key to this verse, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The key to this verse, 100% submission, surrender, commitment to God. And then you pray this prayer, and these things come to fruition. Um, I, I can't get into all the details. Some of you may remember... Uh, uh, the prayer that I prayed when I was working in Solomon's Porch, Hong Kong, after five years, after about six months of prayer, you know, fasting, just coming before God, God gave a breakdown. I completely surrendered everything. You know, I was already in full-time ministry, and there were still so many things I had to surrender, uh, you know, family and future and kids. And, and, and we went in obedience. Um, and, then, and then after about four years there, an invitation was made for me to come to Singapore. And once again, I had to pray. Uh, this was, a, you know, it was, it was really tough. Uh, uh, decision in the sense that you know there are so many mixed emotions and so I, you know some of you guys know I laid out seven fleeces I, I think my EG classes know the story I think I shared with a handful of you guys um, but here's here's what happened I laid out these seven fleeces you know for another time in spectacular form I mean beyond a shadow of a doubt I mean there's if I tell the story there's no one that'll say oh my gosh you know PCM I think that was in your flesh like that God was moving in spectacular form, I laid out seven fleeces. God answered all seven. And so I felt like there was clear confirmation from God to move from one, really, community and family and then uproot and then replant in another community and family. Um, but some of you guys you know, may or may not have heard this, um, but I was rejected twice. Uh, we applied for the EP. So Alvin was on the board uh, uh, and a handful of people. They applied and... You know, this is after confirmation, after all the seven fleeces, you know, Pastor Song, everyone agreed. We applied for my EP, got rejected. And so, okay, you know, not, not a surprise. And so after a few months, they, you know, redid, jigged some stuff and numbers and whatever. 
you know, they wanted to know details that Solomon's Ports was actually a real entity and not a shell entity, and we're just trying to bring someone over, like a family member, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, so they did it a second time. And so they reapplied for me. And a second time, the uh, MOM rejected. And so a second time they rejected, said, no, sorry, this guy, I don't know, man, he's a little funny. <laughs> and, then, and then check this out. Just to make sure, they actually wrote an email. They went out of their way and wrote an email after the second rejection, telling them, don't apply a third time, because you're going to get rejected. So I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, seven pieces, like, my goodness. You know, um, and, and I had surrendered and really gotten to a place with God where I just said, God, whatever you want is what I want. You know, whatever you desire is what I desire for this, for that, you know. Um, and uh, I got to this place and, and this email came and for like a few days, no one responded. It's the first time, you know, Pastor Sam had nothing to say. The board in Hong Kong had nothing to say. The board in Singapore was just, you know, just like silence. And I, I, don't, I don't know, like we didn't know how to respond to that. And I remember just kind of struggling with this. God, but it's so clear. Like, didn't you all these, line all these things up? The seven fleeces, isn't that enough? I guess there were eight fleeces. But seven fleeces, you know, wasn't that enough? And, and, and I had been struggling with some doubts about whether or not, you know, am I the right fit for Singapore? Like, I'm, I'm just a different style, you know? I, I, like, like uh, we had uh, one Singapore girl in Beijing. Man, she was a tough cookie. And I just didn't know how to like, you know, like I would crack a joke and I'd be like, and she'd be like, yeah, you know, okay, I can kind of see why you think that's funny, but not, not to me. You know, and I was like, oh. and, but at the same time, she was like, I, I, I kind of felt like she was like a, like a younger spiritual daughter to me at the same time. And she would come every, like, you know, EMP and not, not like she wasn't there yet spiritually, but she would come and she would curious and listen and then she would always ask me questions afterwards da, 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 da. and then after about a year I think she finally came and said hey I think I'm ready I want to give my life to the Lord and I led her in prayer it was, it was Yiling who at that time was working for the Singapore government embassy in Beijing and so God kind of gave me that reminder hey no like don't worry I know you can't reach anybody in Singapore but I can and, uh, and, and that was always kind of a reminder to me that, that anything is possible um, and so I remember right here in this email like what's the next move and I remember, I remember God asking me this question very distinctly, very, I mean, as clear as day, as if, as if it were audible. And he asked me this question. He said, Sam, what do you want? And I was like, I was like, you know, is that the devil? <laughs> what do you mean, what do I want? I spent my whole life training myself to say things like, God, what do you want? You know, I'm good at you know, it's my, it's my vocation, <laughs> suppressing and putting aside, you know, uh, to the best of my ability. Of course, I have blind sides. All of us do, you know, our shortcomings. And I said, no, Lord, what I want is what you want. And, and this is an ongoing dialogue. And so, uh, you know, obviously, you know, is, is that a test? So I answered the right question, <laughs> you know. Um, and then I, and I, God said it again. No, what do you want? And again, it, like, it, it was like, I don't, know, I don't know if it's like a religious thing or, you know. Again, it kind of hurt me. I was like, no, I, not what I want. God, what do you want? I want to know what you want. You tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. Just pure obedience. And, 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 I, and I felt it again. I, I just feel like, what do you want? And I genuinely felt like God was asking me that. Now that, you got you to be careful with that. Okay? And I'm, and I'm a little hesitant to share that. 
And, and so that's why I said from the very beginning, you got a caveat. If you fully surrendered and fully said, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you want what God wants, and you're not trying to sidearm or something, you know, in humility to show him that this is what you want and so that you hope that he gives it. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Right? You got to get to that place. That's how this verse gets unlocked. When your heart, and I'm not saying I'm like that at all times, but certainly in that season I was. When your heart is so in line, when you're so a part of the vine, when you're so submitted, when you're so surrendered, when you truly your heart beats in alignment with the heartbeat of God, in those moments when you ask, you know, the scripture says God will give you the desires of your heart, right? But that desire first and foremost has to be founded on Him. And then once our sight is cleared and once our hearts are, are, are you know, healed and once everything is in motion in the way that God desires, and then we go and then we have His heart and His mind, then we start having the thoughts of God. Then we start desiring the things for His kingdom. And in that place, when Jesus says, ask what you want in my name and I'll do for you, that's what He means. That's what He means. And so if, you, if you've ever wondered, oh, but I've asked for these things and, and whatnot. And, and it's not to say that you weren't in obedience or disobedience. And that's not what I'm saying. Sometimes God, even then, sometimes God has a different plan. But this is how that works. And, and, and it's, it's just kind of a clue here, isn't it? In verse 15, and we'll close with this. And it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right? So there's, there's in this statement alone, there's, it's loaded. Right? It's not just ask what you want anytime you want. But are you seeking me, pursuing me, loving me? Are you obeying my commandments? Are you fully surrendered to me? Do you believe and trust in me? And in those places and in, in those things, the Lord may make this invitation to you. What do you want? Uh, and in those places, and, and, and my response was, yeah, God, I believe you're in it. But not only that, I do want to go. I do feel like you've called us there. Boom. Third time we applied, accepted. And uh, just, just an incredible uh, encounter that I had with God. So let's, let's bow our heads. Um, let's just come before the Lord.